an interest in your prayers, the time that we stand before you this morning, I pray the Lord would bless the message to his glory and that it might help you in some fashion. Isaiah chapter 43, great chapter. Um, It seems like, it just seems like that there's just so many folks that have so many challenges and struggles. And it just seems like that there are more now than than, any time that I've ever remembered in in my life. I was talking to Brother Asa last night and we were talking about the many challenges that folks are facing, the Lord's people, and it's just a a hard way to go, it seems like right now. Um, You know, the news that uh, there may be another outbreak of this this terrible COVID challenge, that people are weary, people are discouraged, people are worn out, they're, they're just sort of uh, at a loss. And during those times, we, we should be able to go to God's Word and find something that will help us during those times. We're not going to find it watching the news. I mean, just about everything that, that I see, unless you've got a station that I haven't found, it's, it's just not real good. It's just not real encouraging doesn't help a whole lot. Probably not going to find it reading the newspapers. I mean, a lot of the headlines are, are, are pretty discouraging. That's not anything that's new, but it's certainly prevalent today. Uh, if there's any place that we can find some help, any place that we can find some hope, it has to be in God's Word and ultimately in the Lord. And I tend to believe that we do have a message. That's sort of what keeps me going. If I couldn't feel like that that I could be used somehow to help the Lord's people, then then I'd, I'd, I'd pitch in the towel myself. So I hope that we can look at some of the verses that will be helpful to some of the Lord's people. I would encourage you to listen, if you can, to Elder Bradley's message this morning. It, it was an excellent message. It's part two of the Lord preparing a table in the wilderness. And today he talked about all the wildernesses in our life and how that God is able to sustain us and hold us up. It was a wonderful message, helped me, and I pray it will be a blessing to you as well. You can Google the BBH and listen to it. Really good message. Isaiah chapter 43. It's talking to a group of folks, the Lord's people, that are discouraged. I don't want to encourage anybody to be discouraged. But it's just uh, life. We go through seasons of despair and discouragement. And uh, that's just life. We'd like to be above that. We'd like to not experience it. We'd like for others to not experience it. But as we live here in this life, this world is not perfect. It's not made up of perfect people. It's made up of folks that have problems. And this world is ultimately not our home. And thank goodness it's not. And as we have more challenges and problems here in this life, it makes us a little bit more homesick for our eternal home, our home in heaven. We're not going to have, when we get to heaven, 
We're not going to deal with pain. We're not going to deal with sorrow. We're not going to deal with tears. We're not going to deal with sadness. We're not even going to deal with death. Those things that plague us here on this earth. We're not going to deal with sin. We're not going to deal with Satan. We're not going to deal with all those things that plague us here in this world. And that's why we think of the song, What a Day That Will Be. Because we'll be delivered from all the things that weight us down here in this life. We won't be dealing with that. But while we're here, we do deal with it. And so it's important that we encourage each other. The songwriter says, help us to help each other, Lord. Each other's cross to bear. And so one of the roles that we have here in this life and the responsibilities in this life is to ask God to use us to help each other. What a blessing that is when you've got somebody that can help you along the way. It's a big help. It's it's a big help if we can help each other. Not only can we receive help from each other, but more importantly, we receive help uh, in addition to that in his word. It's just loaded with promises that will help us along the way. But even on top of all of that, what helps us the most is the Lord. Sometimes you might not be able to reach me. I try to respond to the text messages I receive, but I may miss some every now and then. I may miss a phone call and and I, I might miss responding to you. I might not even be able to help you with the problem that you have. I might be sympathetic to you, but I might not be able to help you in the respect. But I can point you to the one that can help you all the time. And that's the Lord. And so we have a friend. His name is Jesus Christ, and he helps us. And I appreciated how you said we need to take our burdens to the Lord. Sometimes we need to take them to the Lord. We need to leave them with the Lord and trust that the Lord will take care of it. He goes through Isaiah 43, and he says, here's some things that will help you. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee. That formed thee, O Israel. Now, you know what? If we didn't go any further than that, that knowledge that God created you, that He cared enough for you to create you, and that He formed you, that right there begins to encourage us that God knows all about us. There's not a thought we have. There's not a need that we have. There's not a problem that we have that's foreign to God because he created us. He knows all about us. He knows what your struggle is right now. You may not have shared it with anybody else. You may uh, you may have borne this burden by yourself, but God knows what you're dealing with right now because God made you and God created you. He says, I've created you. And I formed you. And he says, and this is good news for us. He says, fear not. That's one of Satan's tactics, I believe, is that of fear. Fear can sometimes grip you real quick. And sometimes it just begins to build within you. And he says right here that I've created you. I formed you. And he says, fear not. And then he tells us why. He says, fear not because I've redeemed you and I've called thee by my name. And then this is so good. He says, don't fear. 
Because I've redeemed you. I've paid the price for your sins. I've called you. I've chosen you. You're one of mine. And then he says, I have called thee by, my, by, by thy name. And he says, thou art mine. You're his. You belong to him. If you belong to him, you're in his hand. You know, it helped me to understand that we can only fall so low. Sometimes we think that we've hit rock bottom. Uh, we feel like that uh, all, has, uh, all has failed and we've just hit rock bottom. But the good news is that when we've hit rock bottom, we're still in the hands of the Lord. So we're really in a really good place. All those other things that propped us along, up all along the way, they may have been removed, but we find out that when we've hit rock bottom, we're right there, and it's really not rock bottom. It's in the hands of a loving, merciful, kind Lord. So he says, I've formed you, I've created you, I've delivered you. He says, I have redeemed you, I have called you, and he says, and you're mine. Now that's good news for us right there. That'll encourage us. Then he says, not if, but he says, when. That seems to give the indication that it's going to happen. He says, when thou passeth through the waters. He's talking about some troubled times. He's talking about some difficult times in our life. He's talking about some deep pits. He says, when thou passest through the waters, you're not going to be overcome. You're not going to be overtaken. He says, when thou passest through the waters, he says, I'll be with thee. You know, it's amazing how much, how much easier it is to go through difficult times if you know that the Lord's there with you. And he says, you're not going to go through a trial or through a deep water or through a troubled time that I'm not going to be with you because I'm going to be with you. Uh, when I was a little boy growing up, I could become fearful of different things. But if I knew that my mother or my father were there, everything was okay. If I just knew that mom was there in the, in the room or dad was there in the room, everything was okay. My grandmother in her latter years, when her mind began to, then began to uh, fail, it got to the point that if she could see me in the room, there was a measure of contentment that she had, but when she couldn't see, and that disturbed me, and I, it kind of bothered me that she wanted me in the room all the time. And Elder Freddie Bowen, who was there and visited, witnessed, and knew my grandmother, he said, don't you realize that when she sees your presence, there's a consolation that she knows that everything's okay. I had a different perspective about it after that. But now I know because I feel the same way that if I can just know that God is there with me, if I can know that he's there with me and that he cares and that he's holding me up, that I can just about endure almost anything if I know that God is there. And that's what he's telling you right here. He says, you're, he says not if you go through the waters, 
But he says, when you go through the waters. You may be going through some deep waters right now. They may be pretty hard. But you've got the promise to know that the Lord said, I'm going to be with you in those troubled waters. He says, when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And when thou goes through the rivers, he says, through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He says, you're going to have in this life, you're going to have some deep waters. You're going to have some turbulent rivers. But he says, the turbulent rivers are not going to overflow you. He says, you're going to go through some seasons that you feel like you're going through the fire. But he says, thou shalt not be burned and neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Because he says, for I am the Lord, thy God, thy holy one of Israel, thy savior. He says, I gave Egypt for a ransom and Ethiopia and Saba for thee. And then he comes down and he says, since thou was precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee and people for thy life. He says, fear not. I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. He says it again that we are not to to fear the Lord. Because he says he's going to be with us in those difficult times. If we can... If we can learn this principle, if we can grab a hold of this principle, if we can be reminded of this principle that God is not going to ever leave us or forsake us. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in uh, 1 Corinthians. He describes it this way. He said, I had a thorn in the flesh. And he said, I didn't like that thorn. And he said, in fact, I prayed that it would be removed from me. You ever prayed and prayed and prayed that maybe that thorn would be removed from you. But God, who is sovereign, chose not to remove the thorn from you. He says, he says, uh, he said, God didn't remove that thorn. But he said he did verify a promise that he's taught me. And that promise is this, that his grace is sufficient for thee. So no matter what the thorn is in your life, God may deliver you from it here in this world. God will certainly deliver you from it in eternity because you're not going to take those thorns with you into glory. But whether or not God delivers that thorn in this life, he's promised that his grace is sufficient for whatever your need is. So whatever that is, God's grace is sufficient for us. So he's told us we're not to fear him. We're to trust him. We're to lean on him. We're to realize that we're his. And we're to know that no matter what the challenge, no matter what the river, no matter what the fire, no matter how turbulent it is, that God's grace is sufficient for us. That he'll be with us. He will sustain us. He says, fear not. Again, And then he he says, uh, you're precious in my sight. You know, I'm thankful that God doesn't look down upon us and see us for all of our imperfections. Because we would conclude, why would he even care for me? 
if God saw me and he saw all my weaknesses and sins and shortcomings, why would a righteous and holy God care for me? When God looks down upon us, he doesn't see us based on our imperfections. But he sees us as precious in his sight. You're precious in the sight of the Lord. Um, He sees us not based on our own sins, but he sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees us and realizes that the sacrifice for our sins has been paid and that we are his. He says, you're mine. Verse 7, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory and I have formed him, yet I have made him. He gives us another thing right here. What is the purpose of life? Do we have a purpose? It's a great blessing. It's a great benefit if folks know what their purpose in life is. He says right here that our purpose for life is to glorify and honor the Lord. He says, for I have created him. Reason he made you. Reason he made us was for his glory. We oftentimes think that the world evolves around us. But really and truly... It should honor God and our life should point to God and our life should honor God as well. He says, I've called you by my name and he says, I've created him. And he says, I've created you for my glory. We ought to desire that our life would be used to honor the Lord and glorify the Lord. Whatever time we have here on this earth. He says, I formed you and I've made you. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. What's he he saying right here? He's saying bring forth the folks that are helpless. The folks that need help. They can't see the way. They don't know the way. Bring forth the folks that are struggling. The folks that are wondering. The folks that are tossed to and fro. He says, bring them forth and and those that have ears. We're taught in Revelation that those that have ears to hear that that that's a blessing from God. And he says, you bring those folks forth. And he says, the blind and, and those that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations gather together and let the people be assembled. Who among them shall declare this and show us the former things and let them bring their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. Yea, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord and my servant whom I've chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. There was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. He says, I am the one true and living God. Declare me to your people. He says those that have ears to hear and eyes to see. What he's talking about right here, I believe, are those that have a spiritual understanding. Only those that have been quickened by the grace of God are going to hear the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. 
Only those that have eyes to see the Lord are going to see Jesus Christ when the message is declared. He says, you deliver the message. You bring a message that's going to give hope and encouragement to the Lord's people. And those that have been touched by the grace of God, they're going to rejoice in it. It's going to help them. It's going to sustain them. It's going to help them get through this life in a better way. He says, and you remind them. That I am the Lord. That there is none else. You remind them they're not going to find hope and help and strength in other things. But their only help is in the Lord. And do you know we can look back upon our own lives. And we can consider in our own lives and in the lives of others. That God has never left us or forsaken us. Our friends may forsake us. Our loved ones may forsake us. Uh, Different ones along the way might forsake. But the Lord himself will not forsake us because we are his. What a blessing and encouragement to know that. He says, it is truth. Deliver that truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen. That ye may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God. Neither shall there be after me. I think that's good for us to consider. He says you're my witnesses. Did you know that everybody here has a story to tell? Yes. They do. Because God has dealt with you personally. God doesn't deal with us in a general sense. God deals with each one of us personally. Those of you that are blessed with large families, you, each child is completely different. Jimmy, John, and Matthew, even though they're twins, they're completely, they have their own personalities. And parents know the makeup of their children better than anybody else. They do. The Lord knows your makeup. Better than even parents do. And he knows exactly what is needed for your case. And he cares for you and he loves you. Um, I even I am the Lord and besides me there is no Savior. I have declared and I have saved. I have showed When there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, I am God. A little bit more about the witnesses. In Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12, it talks about the faithful witnesses of the saints that have gone before. And I'm thankful that in my life I've known faithful witnesses. Many of them have gone, many of them here at Mount Carmel. That have gone to be with the Lord. I remember getting up before you after Brother Malcolm passed away. And looking at the congregation. And I realized that it was almost a completely different congregation than it was when I came here above 25 years ago. It's completely different. Those faithful saints that were here are now with the Lord. But their testimony, they had testimonies of faithful witnesses And there's often times when something comes up in my life, I can think about what I learned from those faithful witnesses. And it helps a whole lot. I can think about what I was taught by my grandmother or my grandfather. 
I can think about how Sister Perry faced problems even up to age 104 and how that God sustained her and it helps me when I face those things. I can think about the, the, the wonderful countenance of Brother Oris Jackson and the witness that he was here at Mount Carmel and in Bel Air, Maryland. And that was an encourage, that's an encouragement to me. And so he says, those faithful witnesses are great blessings. We can look back on them and they're a big help. And they, they encourage us along the way. But he also says, you yourselves are witnesses. Right now, you're forming that testimony. It's going to make a difference on those that are around you. We're not going to be here forever. We're going to be gone. And what is the memory that's going to be had of us? Is it going to be like those faithful witnesses of old? I tell you, there was a group of, of folks here at Mount Carmel. Most of the ones that have gone to be with the Lord. They're still wonderful, faithful folks. But I tell you, there was a group of folks, and Brother Kilby remembers them. He was part of that group that... I tell you, church was a top priority in their life. They built their life around the church. They didn't try to take their life and then plug church into it. They built their life around the church. And they were faithful witnesses. And they're encouraging to us. I, I, I had a, a, a wonderful sister in our she has since passed away, but she and her husband, they, they were so committed to being in the house of the Lord that, that she said, the only way that I'm going to miss the house of the Lord is if I have a doctor's note. That was just the commitment she had, Sister Olive Faye Johnson, there at the Lubbock Church. And I can remember this, and this, this made an impact on me. Church was so important to her. That in her latter years when she would get sick and have to go to the hospital, and it wasn't something that was contagious, but it was something she had to be treated for in the hospital, that she knew, she was in her 70s and 80s and still set this example, that she knew when the doctor came around on his rounds on Friday afternoon that she probably wouldn't see him again until Monday morning. And more than one time, several times, she would ask the doctor, would you write me a note to where on Sunday my family can pick me up and take me to church and I'll come right back to the hospital? And she did that. Now, when you're a young man, 15 years old, that has an impact on you. When you see an 80-year-old sister that church means that much to her that she asked the doctor for a, a a, a permission to be able to go to church. What a testimony. What a witness. You're setting an example and a testimony for your family, for your friends, for your children, for your grandchildren. And they're watching right now. He talks about the faithful, the witnesses. 
verse 14. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, O Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all the nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power. And, and they shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as low. He says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert. What a blessing to know that when we go through those difficult times, those difficult seasons, the Lord has promised to be with us. The beast and the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and the rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But he comes down. And he says, I've done all these things for you. But he says, you've forgotten me. Now, the good news is that even though we might forget him, he never forgets us. He doesn't write us off when we forget him. How many times have we been like Peter and we've denied the Lord? And yet the Lord... He brings attention to it right here. But the Lord doesn't deny us. We forget the Lord. When things start going well, all of a sudden we don't feel like we need the Lord quite as much. And then sometimes the Lord allows some tribulation to come our way. And all of a sudden we realize that our help is truly in the Lord. He says, this is my people. And he says, I formed you for myself, that they shall show forth my praise. But he says, but thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou... Uh, Honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast brought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but thou hast made me to serve with thy sins, and hast wearied me with thine iniquities. He's basically saying what I gather right here. Is that even though the Lord has delivered us, even though the Lord has sustained us, even though the Lord has been with us, we've forgotten the Lord. And we've not taken the best offerings. Um, my pastor one time preached out of the book of Malachi about how are ye that dwell in sealed houses and the house of the Lord lieth in waste. And the gist was that, that we should give the very best that we have to the Lord. The Lord already owns it all. But that God deserves our very best. He doesn't deserve just the leftovers. But He deserves the very best that we have. 
the very, very best that we have. My pastor went on to say, and I'll just share this with you. He's with the Lord now. But he went on to say, he said, we live in nice homes and the house of the Lord ought to be even better than what our house is. Because it shows the commitment that we have to God. And he said, sometimes we get in the mindset that we just give the leftovers to the Lord. We'll take an old microwave to the church that we've just about worn out. But we'll buy a brand new one for the house. He says, we ought to give the very best to the Lord. The Lord deserves not our leftovers, but the very best that we have. And if an old worn out microwave is the best that we have, that's certainly okay. But if if it means that we're getting the new one for ourselves, we ought to give it to the Lord. Lord doesn't need it. He owns it all. But it would sure set the the mindset there. He says, you've not honored me with your offerings. Wonder if we've ever missed the mark in that area. But he says, you're mine. And then he says, he reminds us here of why we're his. He says, I, even I, he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. And he says, and I'll not remember your sins. I'm glad that God chooses to forget our sins because of the price that was paid. He says, I love you. You've forsaken me over and over again. You've not given me your best. You've not offered sacrifices to me. But I love you and I blotted out your sins and you're mine. And he says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. He says, put me in, in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that, they, that thou mayest be justified. I hope that some of those promises will encourage you. There's a lot of, a lot of discouraging things that folks experience here in this life. But I pray that God will bless us to keep coming to the house of the Lord. I pray that he'll bless us with messages that when you're weary and you're tired and you're worn and you're run down, that you can get some messages, whether he'll send it through me or someone else that will help you and encourage you and help you get from Monday until the next Sunday and that you can lean on those promises and that you can realize that that God has given you promises. But above all of that, He's given you a people that care for one another. When I I heard about Brother Andrew, my heart just sank because we care for him. We love Brother Andrew. We love Annabelle. We love Sister Rhonda. And that's, that's how we are. And God gives us these people to care for one another. That's one of the greatest blessings of the church is that we care for each other. That God knits our hearts. Somehow he, he puts something in our heart for one another. And even though we're, we're sinners, we, we love each other in spite of the sins. And we know that everybody's struggling along the way. And so what a blessing it is that we have the promises in God's word to help us. 
What a blessing it is that God gives us this little church, this little nucleus, this this little group of strange people. It, it, it is strange in this world in which we live to help each other along the way. But then above all of that, in addition to all of that, he gives us the Lord Jesus Christ who holds us up and helps us each and every step of the way. What a blessing that that is. I I don't know about you, but it encourages me to to keep on keeping on. And I hope it does you as well. May God bless you.